0: You're listening to episode 84 of GameSpot After Dark. On this week's episode, the actor Alex Jordan joins us to talk about what it's like to work on a Souls game and the state of live service games. Anyway, let's roll the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of GameSpot After Dark. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Lucy James. Hello. Tamar Hussein. hi and the extraordinary actor Alex Jordan. Hello. How you doing?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you doing? <laughs> doing very it's well. It's very sultry. <laughs> way. Like, yeah. I realized that came like, <laughs> through. Yeah. I was like, I was like, how, how am I going to say hello? And then I was like, and I realized it kind of came through a bit like, hey, how you doing? Welcome <laughs> to welcome to Gamespot after dark. <laughs> after, yeah, after. This is a bit it, dark. it is
0: after dark for you. It actually oh, works yeah. thematically. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the... it's like. Sunlight's blaring into my room <laughs> so It's like 4pm here
1: And not only is it past yeah. midnight But I am in a cupboard So there is no right, like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm recording from my voice booth in a cupboard So there is no there will be no external light any time of the day So yeah, oh. I tuck myself away <laughs> in the dark Well it looks very nice I like the setup Thank quite you. a bit Thank you very much yeah.
0: <laughs> Normally we talk about what we've been playing or doing But Alex, you haven't been on the show before So we're going to start with the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment Chris, Chris. What's the what is the state of affairs with the jingle? Do we still need to do a manual jingle, or does it get replaced with the? Technically, the you f- don't have to do a manual jingle because I okay. have one that I put in a manual yeah. jingle. That sounds. Amazing. I mean, I was about jingle. to say
1: you don't have to do the manual jingle. <laughs> yeah. Sounds a little bit. I mean, we're definitely going down the after dark route here. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make
2: sure if you are going to do a manual jingle, make sure you've got the permission from your partner to initiate manual jingle. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but. Normally, I have my co-host sing the song, hum the song, and then yeah. and please then do. I and then I. Oh, you want it? it? Oh, you'll please you'll, do. You'll, you'll love
2: this. Okay. Right. this is a this is a work of absolute genius. All right, on three, one, two, three. Chris.
3: How did we fuck that up? We do it so often, and it's it's not even like it's a bespoke song. It's
2: no. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I blame I blame Zoom delay. See, oh
3: yeah, yeah Zoom delay. One
2: person Zoom messes it I, up. I'm sure. Yeah, our Alex enjoyed it, so we're good.
0: Our our Chris from Dayton, Ohio, jingle was better in person. I'll say that yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the Chris from Dayton, Ohio, segment is basically a segment where you tell us a little bit about yourself, Alex uh you you can pretty much talk about whatever you think is relevant what you think the audience wants to know but normally we ask people what their favorite games are what are some games they return to often Mm -hmm. obviously doesn't have to just be games books movies whatever it might be and also of course what you do as well yeah and how you got into that
1: so hi how you doing i'm alex um yeah i'm a voice actor well and actor as well um from london so uh I basically um, have been doing video games, voiceovers for video games since 2014. Um, And I jumped straight in with, I think my first one was Telltale, was with Telltale Games um, and was uh, Game of Thrones uh, playing a character called Asher Forrester. So um, initially, I actually, I went in and auditioned for that. Now, don't ask me to do this because it was a long time ago. But I went in uh, doing, uh, before they knew they were going to have the actual cast on, they were looking for people to do impressions of the characters. And I got into voiceovers from doing impressions on YouTube years ago um, under the name Urban Art UK. Um, and just, I basically, that's, that's where my agent found me. So I was their impressionist. And basically, they got me in to do a Tyrion Lannister. Um, and I was pretty much oh. all kind of set to go with, like, Tyrion Lannister while until they kind of knew that he was going to be involved um and then I just happened to audition for the other character as well Asher Forrester um and they seem to like it so that's yeah that's how I started uh in video games and I've been doing them um ever since then doing a lot of work with a fantastic voice studio in London called OM UK in particular um they're brilliant they also have an incredible collection of swords so if you're ever in <laughs> london and you want to stop by a voice studio uh stop by home uk because the their sword knowledge is unparalleled um and also help when recording game of thrones actually because i used to always take a couple of swords with me into the booth um and i claimed it was for what, character like swing purpose them and... but, you know just hold them just kind of hold okay. them just kind of <laughs> <get> them by, <laughs> yeah just yeah, say yeah. it was for character purpose when in reality I mean, who doesn't feel cool just holding a couple of swords? So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was more for myself really than anything else. Um, And yeah, and also an actor. Uh, I I'm supposed to be in a film that was in cinemas last summer um, called Dream Horse with Tony Collette, Damien Lewis and Owen Teal. But we've been delayed because of the pandemic. Mm. I flew out to Sundance for our premiere. We had our premiere um, out there last year. Um, had a fantastic time with uh the crew and um Eros the director, Tony and Owen and that. And um we literally landed back and within a couple of weeks everything was in lockdown.
2: Oh dear. Jeez. So oh, no.
1: yeah, it's all kind of been delayed, um somewhat. Yeah. So that's frustrating. Yeah. Um but yeah, but we yeah. I,
2: our audience will know you as, you know, your, one of your performances
1: being Dr. Hargreaves some EastEnders,
2: which, you know, <laughs> big up. <laughs>
1: you know what? You know what? There is um, So, so I've, re- I've started streaming recently. It's something I wanted to do for ages. I really wanted to do it for ages. Yeah. And it's taken until the pandemic for me to just kind of jump in and just go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. Um, and there's one guy who pops into my streams every time. And the one thing he's memorised from my IMDb credits is Dr. Hargraves from EastEnders. From EastEndless. <laughs> One episode in and EastEnders. And he comes in and every time he comes into the chat, he's like, how are you doing, Dr. Hargraves? I'm like, why is, why is that the one? Why have you chosen that one? I think I bring it up mainly because it's just a...
2: You know, when you Google a word and the definition always says chiefly British, I love things that are chiefly British. I mean, (laughs) EastEnders is is the most British thing. Can you get more
1: (laughs) British? I think there's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin as the royal family. Like it's literally, (laughs) they are as British as one another, but literally they're part of the same coin, but, but just two sides. I mean, literally one of them's got her head on it. So, you know, yeah.
3: (laughs) I remember going to see Paddington 2 and mm. not expecting you to crop up. And then I was like sat in the cinema going, ah, ah! Briefly,
1: <laughs> briefly there. That's me looking very, very young and clean shaven. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look back at that now and I mean, God, I feel like, how, how long ago was that? Like four, four or five years now? And that feels yeah. oh, like, man. I mean, I look so young in that. Yeah, it's brief. It's brief, but it's there. So, yeah. It's still
2: in one of the greatest know. films of all time. Yeah, 100%
1: on the rotten tomato yeah. meter. <laughs> Not many films can claim that. So yeah, I'm in there.
0: <laughs> so was your setup you have was that a response to the pandemic? Did you do that because yes. it was you had time and it was a... or did you already have this setup?
1: No, this is this is 100%. This voice booth uh, that I have here in the house is 100% a response to lockdown. Um things kind of I mean <laughs> Things kind of went really south here really fast Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, financially as well for myself pretty quick (laughs) Um, because voiceovers just stopped for a while, like Mm -hmm. completely stopped projects entirely ceased Um, and studios just weren't open. No studios were open. So I kind of thought, well, I'm assuming these projects are going to get going again soon. Um, They're not going to be in studios so i kind of took the leap and invested in uh, a lovely mic and uh preamp and all that stuff and uh yeah kitted out this wardrobe covered space uh turned into i mean it is literally half of it is my wife's clothes um which you can't see on camera but um that also helps soak up loads of the sound because it's just loads of fabric so it was the kind of ideal space That I've now turned into Uh, and then I just thought I'd add sort of these LEDs and everything just for my own fun and I mean Mm. not that anyone will be able to see it but I can do a little party vibe going on they've got little flashing lights right now yeah 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 a a bit of a disco going on which uh, I mean it's the least COVID friendly disco because it's a tiny cupboard so if you were to bring people in here there would be absolutely no social distancing but yeah yeah this was a response to that for sure.
0: That should be like a reward for high donations during your charity. You know what? It it actually,
1: it actually, it's so, um, weirdly enough, um, my community have named themselves the sock mob (laughs) because I am the owner of a sock drawer that can only be described as eclectic. Um, I own one (laughs) pair of white socks. Every uh-huh. other one is, and I'm actually wearing some of the blandest today and they're just polka dot socks, but mm-hmm. I, I own sort of bright yellow socks with baby blue ampersand symbols all over them and stuff like that. And and basically there's a trend here in the UK of people showing off their outfits like on the street, they kind of go and they meet up in a corner and then they film themselves, like talking about how much their coats are worth and how much their trousers are worth and all that stuff. And it's really, I don't understand what? it Yeah. Yeah, wow, the, London for? has changed in the like, last what? year, hasn't it? <laughs> like seriously, it's it's it. I don't I don't understand it. But they also always do, and they go right crep check. So creps in the UK, crep oh, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. so, check is like, old. Yeah, so it's like so creps creps are a UK term for anyone who doesn't know for trainers for sneakers for shoes, right? Mm. So you go crep check, and so we kind of started. We were talking about those videos, and I was like, all right, well sock check. So I started and I did a little sock check on stream. <laughs> And it, and people hated my socks because they are no, no one seems to like my socks. And that's fine because that's why I buy them. I love them. Um, and I just ran with it. And now like we kind of have, if there's ever a pair of socks that it gets really, really detested, that like is really loathe, I, um I kind of lean back and I kick the socks up and I put the disco lights on and I just like, <laughs> I just like go with it for a while. And everyone's like, get them off screen, get them off screen them right mine. now.
3: My my question though is, do they match? Do all your socks match? They all
1: match. They okay. all match. Okay. What's That's interesting good. is that my You're wife not? is the owner of an an entirely black um, sock collection. Like she just owns black That's socks. What
3: That's we what are, I do. We are we are opposite yeah.
1: ends of the yeah. spectrum when it comes to socks. <laughs> Seems like she needs to balance you out. Yeah, exactly. Right? This guy's just Ooh. going
2: absolutely. It's, this guy's inviting chaos into his sock drawer. I need to add yeah. some like normality. One hundred percent. <laughs> uh, so alex well, what are your kind of favorite games and uh or whatever it may be like experiences that you keep coming back to
1: um so it's interesting because i've actually been with streaming because it's only been a month and a bit that i've started doing it mm. so for the for whenever i stream a game that i'm in we raise money for charity so i'm going back and i'm i'm sort of touching base with all the games that i've done which is fun but i've also uh, been going back and touching base with some games that I started. I thought, what's a good one to start with? I'm going to start streaming. What's one that really I want to play again? And I went back to Dishonored, the first one. Yeah. And I Aww, just yeah. love it so much. I could play that game endlessly. I don't think there's any sort of end to the number of times I can choose to play that game. Mm. I, you know, played every, even if you played every outcome, just because of in that moment, all the variables. I know you can sort of, you can speed run it and you can clock sort of the patterns of the guards and everything, all that stuff. But when you just choose to play it sort of freely and openly, those moments, all the different variables just give such a different playthrough experience every time, which is just, I think there's, there's very few games that manage that in the same way that Dishonor does. Mm. Yeah. Dishonor 2 was, was fantastic as well, but there's something to be said, like Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption 2 is fantastic, but I keep coming back to 2004's Red Dead Redemption. There's just mm-hmm. something there's just something about you know, and I guess it's your first experience of that of that world that's created kind of takes you back. So I've been going back playing some of that, uh, and I've also recently been playing a lot of Total War Warhammer 2. Um, I think interesting. I actually
0: yeah. just started playing that the other day with Mike. Maharty Did you? And it mm. it's it's
1: a lot. As someone who's never played that, it, it is a it's, lot. It's a it, lot. It is a lot. It's um. I started playing it because, um. i mean it's i've been a fan i think one of the if i had to save one of the games from like from the annals of history you know say all the games are being deleted and i could save like five or so one of them would be original rome total war that was one Mm -hmm. of my like earliest sort of things if i've just got completely completely obsessed with with a game um and then recently not long ago i got to work with Creative Assembly, I played Paris in their Troy game, um, which was fun. And we're going to be playing that on stream as well, hopefully at some point soon. Um, So, yeah, I thought I'd go back and touch base with the sort of the Creative Assembly before I get into 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 playing that. So, yeah, I I, it's an interesting one with the pandemic and with finances being sort of stripped back. I've been having to live a, a lot of more recent games vicariously through people on Twitch
3: like I've been mm. I
1: haven't been able to necessarily have the funds to to invest in that gaming experience myself. And Twitch has been incredible for for living vicariously mm. through people. Um so I've really enjoyed that. But Jedi Fall Order is another one. Um that I sort of I played late, I would say. Uh I saw all the hype and then I kind of kicked back against the hype. So I was like, right, well, I'm not gonna play it for a little bit then. Mm. Played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, so fine. <laughs> That's I fine. could not get into it when it came
0: out and then I played it like six months later maybe almost a year and I was like yeah hey, this
1: game this game is really good I enjoyed it it didn't make me go oh my god I need to pick that up again just like yeah. straight away Yeah, but it was good decent game yeah very good
3: the wild the yeah. thing about that one is that I had no idea how much just how much it had sold because it yeah. did yeah. incredibly yeah. well was it the
1: second was it the second best selling of Oh, the year?
3: in the year i think it was something like that
1: yeah like it was, it was something high.
3: very yeah. high and i was yeah. i was surprised it cracked top 10 but i guess that's because they've conditioned us to think that single player games don't sell when really they do and people I
1: mean i yeah. i i'm a big fan of the single player yeah. i've been playing a lot of yeah. warzone and battlefront 2 as well i do love the multiplayer mm. but i've always been a massive fan of the single player i think sort of uh, narratively you can not. You can do a lot more with it, I think. Yeah. Um. As a whole, and I'm. I'm. I guess this sounds really wanky, but as an actor, sorry, can I say wanky? <laughs> yeah, you, yes, you <laughs> can. I <laughs> say wanky a lot. You can okay. say okay, wanky. Okay, great. You can say whatever. Um, can this sounds fuck. wanky, but as a as an actor, I'm fucking invested in the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, I can't believe. Uh, just very quickly, I can't believe we're like fifteen minutes in and we haven't discussed Demon Souls. I yet. was
0: about yeah. to bring
2: Tam, that up. I'm <laughs> yeah. so impressed I'm like,
3: at your restraint.
2: I'm trying to be restrained, <laughs> but obviously Demon Souls, one of my favorite games of all
1: time. I've seen your love on Twitter.
2: Oh, it, it's, it's a miss. public
1: love it's a public love it's, and a, I very, appreciate that. it's a very public love yeah <laughs> it is
2: i have no shame about my love for souls games and i mean you're in you, you played the hero character
1: yeah male male voice selections in the character selection yeah 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 and
2: one of my favorite one of my favorite things to do is or if you haven't seen it is to go to alex's uh twitter and there's a video, I think it's still there. It yep. might be your pin tweet it of you is. doing yeah, the voice. I remember seeing that a while back, and you're like in a booth, just uh, swinging around what is, I think, a wrench. Yep, it's a wrench. And making like noises. <laughs> so was basically... Like, yeah. What is the swords? <laughs> oh, yeah, so
1: this is the thing. So all the swords, but the problem is, with all the wires around, I wouldn't be able uh, to be swinging that yeah. in case... They're like, I no. Just, so, and some of them are sharp. Some of them are really sharp. Um, yeah, Demon Souls was... Um, a huge amount of fun and was actually quite quite a bit more recording than you might think um mm-hmm. the variables the the multiple different um like sort of degrees of grunting for many different possible sort of you know um mm. hits that you receive or that you deal out and stuff you know so we've got sort of a, a medium sword um sort of slash so going up from like yeah. low to medium intensity to high intensity then you have say you have like 12 of them Do you know what i mean it's it's a lot and we recorded um we recorded a good amount of it on uh
3: sorry. <laughs> i'm so sorry
0: lucy's camera just died for uh, those listening God. lucy's cameras just died and it's an amazing <laughs> Robert pads <Pattinson>, and
2: batman <laughs> i'm impressed. so sorry i mean it's it's the mood it's the mood for 2020
1: i tried really hard to carry on (laughs) and i couldn't
3: oh god i'm sorry yeah which is um my camera died and it said the battery's low which is worrying because it's plugged in
1: We'll turn
2: it off and on again mine does that all the time
3: oh god
1: How do I get back onto where? Where was I? (laughs) Uh, Swinging, swinging uh, a wrench, swinging a wrench. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I really want to get a photo of that. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) where is it? I am going to get a little photo of that because if you choose, if you choose to keep this moment in. I want to be like, this is what I saw. Yes. Oh, it's- this. <laughs> staying. This oh, is staying. what I saw. Yeah. Amazing. There you go. So um, when the episode comes out, I will be posting that on Twitter. That's <laughs> <laughs> um So we recorded a lot of the Demon Soul stuff. Um, the height of summer heatwave in uh, London. And like, oh, wow. I, I went in knowing it was going to be hot because um, you're recording in a small booth with a lot of sort of Fabric and um, uh, soundproofing, um, and it's got to be sealed off from everything outside. It's boiling and you sweat a lot. Um, So, the one that I've got on my Twitter is before that, but the second one, when it was really hot, I literally went in in just like this very thin t shirt and a pair of swimming shorts. (laughs) (laughs) And I went in and recorded in that and came out just like, I'm so glad I made the decision to wear swimming shorts today (laughs) because it was it was i was dripping um because you do get really into the in order to make it believable you get really into the the sort of the the, the bodily movements of it well that sounds kind sort of like toilet humor it makes sense it?
3: it makes sense
1: um but yeah what how you... much did you know about demon
2: souls before getting the gig for it were you like intimately familiar or how much of the were you nervous about it to any degree? Because I imagine someone who knows that franchise will know. Oh God, this is like one of the biggest games ever.
1: Yeah, it's it was. I'd never played on. Well, I played, but I'd never owned a Souls game. I'd played mm. Souls games many times around at friends. You know like that I'd also vicariously lived it through streams and mm. stuff like that. So I was I was super aware of the importance of the game and. Um, sort of what it what it could be if done right mm. um was i nervous kind of to a degree i guess because all my stuff was um was more uh grunt based and character movement based there was a little less not riding on it but i felt a little less of that pressure i would say um i think if i was going back and Redubbing characters that people knew and loved before, then I would be absolutely uh, bricking it, hundred um, percent. I would understand the pressure, but I guess because as well the that that character playable hero vocal element was in itself like a, a new thing, so yeah. there wasn't any. Uh, any bar already set or anything or any previous experience that players had that I had to live up to, I had to worry about. And I got to be able to go, okay, well, cool. I'm used to doing this like with other games. Mm. just got to kind of treat it like any other game. But no, I definitely, definitely knew um, what it was I was working on and how lucky I was to be working on it. And it was so painful to be silenced in like bound by NDA silence for months having seen... Having seen gameplay, having seen how it was looking and, and what it was going to be like, I, I mean, it was just so hard to to not want to talk about it and tell everyone. To go, guys! They've made they've they've even made puddles look beautiful, like puddles. Like you could stop and spend time looking at the puddles and appreciate puddles. That's how beautiful they've like, a job they've done, and it it I think they absolutely nailed it. They were fantastic, did a fantastic job on it.
0: I played a lot of Demon Souls as well as uh, mm-hmm. as well as Tomorrow, but I played with headphones for almost the entire time, mm-hmm. so I had that kind of what is it, 3D audio experience. Yeah. But
2: uh, the
3: Tempest 3D the Tempest. audio there from Sony. <laughs> Thank It's <you,
2: laughs> so Batman. good when it's coming Sorry. from Batman.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, how how much like I I've heard you you breathe a lot because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> of that. <laughs> Was there any like really weird? sounds or grunts or like setups to different grunts that you had that you were like how am i supposed to make this sound different from like getting hit with a sword or something along those lines
1: 100 100 there's one that i really love so i really like dropping in to streams and catching it and seeing people play it i love doing it and i um i guess you could say there's a degree of vanity to that but there's also i think games are themselves interactive um and so like so twitch has added to that interactivity and i mm. love just stopping by and saying hey thanks for playing the game i appreciate it, because i feel like it's just an, an extension of that interactivity mm. and there's one bit which whenever i drop in a stream if i manage to catch it there's one sound and i love to hear it back because i'm like that moment in that booth was like what the hell am i doing right now what's this <laughs> and it's the moment that um the uh mind flare sort of like so you get impaled and you're being electrocuted um and there's kind of like you're so you've just been impaled. There's like a degree of electrocution. There's a degree of kind of like electricity running through your body and kind of this shock, but you're gargling and you're dying and that kind of that, that moment, that kind of like sort of noise. <laughs> but you have to bring yeah. it down and not make it sound too comical. Um yeah. that one was definitely one. And also just the breathing, just like, okay, now give us like give us a sustained period of like medium jog breathing. And you're there just going. <laughs> and they're like going and then because uh-huh. as well because you you're just going for it you're just kind of looking like glancing through the booth through the, through the glass like do i just, do i just keep, keep going when you, is someone going to stop me am i just <laughs> no i'm gonna okay i'm gonna keep going <laughs> Yeah, there's
2: always like souls games always have that one very awkward noise that their character makes when they die which sounds like a an intimate release let's mm-hmm. call it and i've mm-hmm. always been fascinated with the like the voice actors that do that because there's that one when you die and they, they just go ah oh, yeah and you're like oh that's weird what is that all about there's, did you have to do the uh intimate release voice at
0: any point
1: this is the thing intimate release. it's <laughs> the title of this
0: episode <laughs>
3: <laughs> that or manual jingle?
1: <laughs> manual, j- manual jingle I manual jingle and you do an a manual release. jingle
2: and then you get Yeah, an yeah, exactly. Release,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um I think there's there's a there's actually so many of those and I think there's so many of those that maybe in the moment in the moment of playing the game kind of uh the player may miss cuz they're kind of a lot softer. Um and yeah, I mean with any kind of game that has any kind of action death scene sequence uh there's always the go okay now give us like a breathy one and it is very much like uh, uh, and, it's, <laughs> and you definitely do kind of like you you all have that moment where you go everyone looks at each other everyone goes okay we know what that sounded like we know what that could be used for but we all know the context of this so we all go was that a good take yes it was yeah. in, in the context it was
2: we promise you the only time people hear that is when you're being stepped on by a dragon
0: exactly and not in the way most exactly. people would want it on the internet. <laughs> Some um, people might want to be stepped on by
2: a
1: dragon. Yeah, I know, mean, I mean there's probably people to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No king shame. Uh,
2: did you did you um, in terms of who you kind of uh, interfaced with um, mostly while doing your um, performances was it specifically like a production company or was it Sony or From Software did you meet any of those those guys or have any involvement with them?
1: So, uh, Sometimes there's certain games you get where you, you you come to know the directors a lot more. Other games, it's kind of quite fleeting. So I think we did two sessions on Demon Souls. Um, mm-hmm. and to be honest, it was so long ago that sort of like when you go in and you do it, you do meet people and then you kind of touch base on them again the next time, but you, it's difficult to know exactly in the moment what their exact role is in the in, mm. in the in the development of the of the game demon souls was very much and i mean as well when you've got multiple people and then sometimes you've got someone in the room but you've also got a couple of people on uh link you know sort of like linking up via uh Mm. skype or something like that it's very difficult to kind of pin down um so in that moment yeah i wasn't in i wasn't entirely sure who i was interacting with at what point um and as well when there's a when there's a degree of of kind of i guess secrecy maybe isn't the word but uh some kind of um kind of you know people just wanted to keep things close uh you you don't want to you're not sure how much you can ask you know Mm -hmm. yeah so i guess i was
2: just uh, i guess i was just asking because like do you foresee yourself you know the the souls games they whether it's from whether it's sony or whether Mm -hmm. it's publisher bandai they love to bring back voice actors to you know um be in other games like you know the the voice actor for the maiden in black in demon souls is also yep. lady marianne bloodborne and etc etc you've got commonalities do you do you want to be involved i mean you're an actor who wants to work so i assume the answer is yes <laughs> but like do you do you foresee yourself trying to get into another demon souls game are you already in elden ring do and you're just keeping it a secret from us like tell
1: us um so yeah 100 i would love to work with with uh from software glue point you know i'd love mm. to work with i think they 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 do fantastic work um and yeah i'd absolutely love to um i'm not in Elden ring <laughs> like, okay, so i just said no, uh, i'm not in <laughs> <an laughs> Elden ring <laughs> but uh but yeah no it is it is really great when you get to work with people that you've worked with before um and you you kind of you get to understand the way they work. They get to understand the way you work, and I feel like you just get stronger and stronger in your kind of performances and everything. Um, hmm. it, it is a, it is an interesting one because the because the time in which a game, like the amount of time it takes for a game to go through all of its stages until you know its release, it is such a long development. There's there's <laughs> so much that goes into it. Um, that I guess there's there's times where I'm thinking, I'm hoping further down the line I'll work with these people again. But I'm going, I mean, we're still just working on this one. And then I mean the next thing that comes out could be way down the line. You know, we've got the release, then we've got the right obviously there'll be more some, some studios will have multiple projects at once. But it is compared to things like doing a play or uh, doing a film, I feel like there's just st- just a much longer amount of time that goes into, into it, into the development of it. Um, so who knows, maybe further down the line, but I, I feel like, I guess, what am I now? I've been doing this for six, seven years. So maybe we'll start to get into that territory now where I'm like, right, I'm really starting to clock around and come back and work with companies, uh, multiple times. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. firmly.
0: Have you had a chance to play or stream demon souls on your channel yet or no,
1: not yet. This is... So I don't actually have a PlayStation 5. Um, this is uh, the probably one of the ones that I will aim towards um, later on. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got a few comments. So I, I'm i looking forward to uh, streaming. I'm in one that I can talk about. So I've got three games coming out this year that I don't know if I can talk about. But one that I know mm-hmm. I can talk about is uh, Warhammer 40K Darktide, uh, in which I play... Uh, um, Someone. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, so there we go. Let's I will leave, say that. Let's
2: just leave it as someone. Yeah.
1: In which I play someone. Um, so, like, things like that, I'm looking forward to playing. But but until, I guess, um, I mean, unless unless anyone from from Software or Bluepoint is listening to this and, and would like to send me a PlayStation 5 <laughs> that I can uh, borrow to stream on, <laughs> I, I mean, I'd, happily, I'd happily take
2: that. I'll text I'll text the Miyazaki and see what I can
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, that's one I've had to, I've had to live the whole experience of of that game, again, ex- entirely vicariously through other people. Um, but I've, I've really enjoyed that. And I think something like that, would be uh, a good one to play on the charity stream. Um I was I was chatting with Lucy and she was saying, you know, well, Demon Souls would be a great one because, you know, sort of donate when you die, stuff like that. Mm. Um would be would be a, a pretty a pretty good one to play. But I just need to I just need to have the capabilities, which I don't have right now. I don't have a PlayStation 5. They were gold dust. Um still and are. Still, they still, are. They still, and are. still, still are. are wild. So I've been trying uh, to get yeah. one
2: for, in the UK and it's just a nightmare yeah it's ridiculous yeah
1: absolutely yeah.
0: well with that we should probably move on to what we've been playing because we've been we've been at it for 30 minutes already wow <laughs> to do you want to start with what you're up to yeah so uh i've been
2: playing a little game called loop hero which is uh kind of taking the world by storm I think a lot of people are talking about it, at least on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, really fascinating, interesting game um, published by Devolver Digital. Um, and uh, the development team is a relatively small uh, team. Uh, I think it's like actually two people. It's called Four Quarters. Um, last time I checked anyway, it was two people. And it's a really simple game. The idea of it is a kind of a lich figure has plunged the world into this timeless loop and um everyone is like forgetting their memory. And the best way to kind of describe what you do is just to like you you have each time you go out, it's a roguelite. So each time you go out on a run, an expedition as they call it, it creates this kind of path for you, which is like, you know, imagine there's a square there. And all that happens is the moment you start, you have a little avatar, the avatar begins walking around the square and enemies are on that square. And when the avatar walks into an enemy, the two fight, or the group fight. You have no impact over that at all. Um, The avatar will just continue to walk round and round. The enemies will continue to spawn. You have no influence over the actual um, actions that you take within the battle. The interesting part of it is, it's also like a deck building card game, where the idea is, because of the timeless loop element of it, um, a lot of people have forgotten them. They've lost the memory, and for the for the actual main hero, that includes the memory of what the world is like, um, and how that factors into battle is when you defeat an enemy, you usually get some sort of card, and it can be a card that's like a mountain or a card that's like a, a vampire's castle or a a spider's nest, for example, and you place those on the map um, around the actual path that you're walking to kind of build out the world.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and when you do that, it also has an impact on the way the your kind of journey. So you might put down a spider's nest, for example, um, because it has some sort of uh, like passive benefit where, I don't know, you speed up walking or something like that. But the downside of that is you then spawn spiders in... On the path and you can do things like oh i'm going to put down a a mountain um card uh, because every cycle every walk around or every day there's like a timer counting down the days it restores two hp for every mountain you have on the field so you're like oh, okay it's in my interest to put down as many mountains or meadows as possible. So you're kind of playing your cards and doing that um and then there's like upsides and downsides. So for example, if you put down four mountains, you also those mountains become a peak, like a bigger, you know, a high peak. And then you learn, oh, through through the narrative you learn oh, at the highest elevations of this world are harpies. And they've been kind of forced up into the mountains, and they but they keep trying to come down because there's nothing to eat there. So you put down the mountains, you turn that into a high peak, and you're like, oh, I get more health now. But at the same time, now harpies are spawning on your path. And you're basically going round and round, and you have two phases where it's like you can pause the the movement and then kind of like micromanage stuff like i want to put my cards here here and here and at the same time when you're fighting enemies you you get items that are kind of going into this i think it's like eight slot inventory or nine slot it's limited but like items just go straight in there and you can equip them um and you can't really change how many items you can add to it or expand your inventory slot or get rid of things so it's almost like it's burning through the items. so it's like use it or lose it because um, in the same way that your items and cards, they, as you keep generating them, the older ones get cycled out. So it's in your interest to kind of put it together. And then you just kind of like go round and round and round. And eventually, once you've been around enough time, a bar fills and like the boss of that arena of that area, area will come out and you fight it. And then the idea is you want to head back to your camp and there's a, improvements that you can make there and characters show up to kind of help you on your journey and you can add different structures to it and there's like interesting lore things that are unfolding I'm like two two or three hours into playing it but it's really really simple and just dangerously compelling it's like got the best parts of you know um clicker games where they kind of automated play themselves and you just have to have small inputs um, and like the most satisfying parts of deck building games and also like you know, um, kind of those almost like resource management games. And it's like $15 or something like that, 12 Yeah, I got it for 12 today because it was yeah. on sale. And really great music, some really interesting world-building stuff happening in there. But truly, it's one of those things where it's like they've taken just a bunch of really simple com- uh, concepts and gameplay ideas and put them together in a way that just feels, one, elegant, Two, it's so compelling that you're shocked that it hasn't been done before, and it's just fascinating. It's, it's also like I described it to Lucy as one of the best background games I've had in a long time. Like I, I, I often have it just on a separate screen um and and i will be doing my work day and because you can switch between like an adventure phase and a planning phase when you hit the planning phase which is when you ordinarily want to be like i want to put my cards down everything pauses so you could just be like pause it i'm gonna work for a couple hours or an hour or half an hour i'm in a meeting and then you just unpause it make a few moves and let it kind of play out and watch it happen in the background and get involved whenever you need to it's in a time when um you know, our real worlds have become quite mundane. Having this kind of game that is on a loop that is always like you can drop some attention into and make like meaningful changes and growth and that kind of stuff. It's super, super appreciated. There's like a whole risk reward factor to You can like run away from the loop or like the the adventuring part anytime you want, but you lose a certain amount of resources. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this thing where you're like, oh, I need to invest more time into this loop to make it worthwhile starting the expedition. I don't want to run away too soon. So it's like, there's loads of like small micro decisions to make, but mm-hmm. when all is said and done, really simple, really elegant, really compelling. And I... I don't think there's anyone out there that I wouldn't recommend at least trying the game. It's that good. I think.
1: I mean, you just yeah. saw me on it. What was the name again? You just saw me it's on it. Called I need to Loop, run- Hero. Loop Hero. It's, it's and-
2: like if you want to play it on, like I, I really want to play it on stream now because it's so, so fun. Like, and it's one of those things where you can pause it and even like speak to your chat and mm-hmm. be like, "What do you guys reckon? Should I put down a vampire's nest here, or you know?" and and as you go further and further on you get cards that you're unfamiliar with and you like just have to kind of take a chance and put it down and see what happens mm-hmm. and like the uh, like the first time i played it i realized that oh if i put down five um you know rock car- uh, rocker cards and create this like little mountainous area it also spawns like a goblins nest and i was like oh crap these goblins nests are like and like four or five of them will come out and they'll just patrol up and down this area so then i was like okay what i'll do is i'll put down this lantern which reduces the amount of goblins or enemies that can be in an area and um and then you know that'll make it easier for me and then it got later and i found a card which is called oblivion and it was like it makes you forget things and i was like i don't really get it so i just used it on the goblins nest and it destroyed the nest and i was like oh great there's a card here that will remove things for me so you're like learning things each time you go in and so you're learning about how to play the game, how best to manage your resources, and then the world itself, like when the when the harpies first show up, it's not just like a sprite of a harpy shows up. There's like a back and forth where the where the player character asks the harpies to be like, don't attack me. Look, I'm just trying to fix the world. And when I fix the world, the harpies will have benefit from that because there will be more space for you to roam and you'll be able to come down to the the surface area and feed your families and that kind of stuff. And the harpies are like, I can't trust you to do this. You're just a random hero. And I need to look after my, you know, my, my people and my race and my species now. And you're like, why is this in a weird card game where you're just walking around, <laughs> around and around? I'm like, not ready to have like these moral quandaries. <laughs> and it's, it's really well done. And, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find this on many game of the year lists at the end of the year.
0: Is there... Do is there things that carry over from run to run, or do you just kind of start from the beginning with a new deck or with a So your your
2: character run to run. Like I've not died yet, so because I'm a pro gamer, I'm gonna you have know, only played no, like fifteen no. minutes though, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably <gamer>, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So like I've I've so what happens is when you start an expedition you start from scratch each time okay your your character because the idea is you're forgetting everything and you're coming back Mm. in but when you go back to your camp you're kind of like holding on to small memories and so your progress starts all over again but you kind of very quickly because you learn the quickest way to grow your uh, character by putting down certain cards and encouraging you know uh, certain ways to ensure that the character doesn't die prematurely you get pretty strong pretty quickly but the other part of it is like the drops are kind of randomized mm-hmm. so you never know sometimes you might come in and be like crap i'm just getting rubbish items constantly and it's getting a bit hairy so i'm just going to run back to camp and call it quits there okay um, and then the next time you're like i played one run earlier where it was like the first weapon i got was like 50 damage and it regened my health at like five points a second or a minute or whatever it may be. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, and I just like got lucky and I did loads of loops around it. And it was really satisfying. There's there's like an unpredictability to it that that is really engaging and it keeps you cu- want, coming wanting to come back. And it's that kind of game where you're like, I wish I was playing this right now. And I wish I wasn't in a meeting or having to do something else. You just constantly think about it. I think I'm going to play it tonight. That sounds yeah, really Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, I've downloaded it. I will
3: play it tonight. <laughs> I'm
1: like, I, it's, it's already one o'clock in the morning here. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me,
0: I saw people tweeting about it, and then I I found it on Steam and looked at it, and saw it was a card game, and I was like, nah, I don't want to do a card it's, game. But hearing you talk about it, it seems like it's more than that, and I'm excited to oh, check, yeah. check it out. And Honestly, like I know people are listening be like... Just because it's a card game doesn't mean it's not good. Like, I know yeah. I just... For some reason, like, card games and video games never really interest me. But the, the deck building part
2: of it is kind of like... It's not like you need to learn, you know, how is this versus something else? It's mm-hmm. just like, what is the impact of me putting this card down? Yeah. And you might know, like, oh... The graveyard card keeps spawning skeletons, and I found that whenever the skeletons show up, I feel a bit like risky. It feels like risky to have loads of skeletons around. So I'm just going to remove the graveyard card from this deck so it cannot appear. So it's basic like risk aversion mm-hmm. and management. It's not like, is there going to be, it's not like a Hearthstone thing where you have to factor in how well does this work against yeah. an XYZ monster. Um, at
0: least that's how it is where I am right now. That's good to hear. I'm excited to check it out. It's good, Lucy. How's your Breath of the Wild uh, travels gone?
3: Breath of the Wild's going great. I did the second Divine Beast on Sunday, so I did um, the elephant first, then I did the rock boy uh, with all the Gorons, which I really enjoyed. Um, it's like it, it's Breath of the Wild. There are no takes for Breath of the Wild in twenty twenty one. The takes have been done. Um, mm. I did watch uh, Raya and the Last Dragon.
2: Mm. And you I paid 30 whole dollars for that on disney plus did you
3: wow zach did and i paid him half
1: is it 30 dollars
3: yeah because yeah, it's like one of on those top of a wow. subscription disney premiere disney yeah you can premiere it and you can just watch it early from home and i was like it is maybe the best looking animated disney film like it looks fantastic there's um i should probably explain what it is it's basically um Carrots got named Raya who played by Kelly Marie Tran and Orquafina plays the last dragon and it's about this world that was protected uh, by dragon magic and uh, there is this evil force that turns everyone to stone. The dragons banded together to dispel the force but in doing so they all got turned to stone except for one who uh, used its power to to save the world. Um, And then unfortunately that that one sort of turned into a sort of gem and then the gem gets dropped and then the dragon comes back. It's your classic Disney, like let's all work together. And if we trust each other and good Lord is the theme of that movie trust. And it really just hammers it over your head that the theme in the movie is trust. And it's like, it's really gorgeous, like really well acted. Awkwafina, um playing uh, the dragon. It's, she's fantastic. But then some of the writing is just. Mm. Each dragon, for example, has a magical ability, and so there is a scene where Okufina is describing, like, and obviously she raps in in the real world. Mm-hmm. They give her this stuff where it's like a weird little wordplay stuff about her power, about her, like, as a as a dragon, she can swim really fast, and it's just like. Like, really awkward. And I was like, mm. oh, I don't, oh, no, okay. And then the story-wise, it because it, there's, like, five different regions that they have to go to and uh, do their little adventuring in. And the pacing of it is just mad. Like, like really, really quickly just speeds through everything. And I was like, it feels like it's two different movies. And then I looked at the page at the end of the credits where it was like, screenplay by I think it was like two people and then the next bit on the credits was story by and I shit you know there are about 10 people on there. and I was like oh my God. there it is that's why and it feel and like like I was saying some of the writing is just like not good and it just mm. feels very very awkward and you can even tell that maybe even Awkwafina and Kelly Marie Tran are like ah, oh. <laughs> like they do a great job with what they're given but it's given the caliber of those actresses it's very very strange um it's and yeah. you're the
1: second person that I've heard recently say essentially exactly oh, the same thing.
3: Thank God, because I thought like, because obviously it's like, I've just seen on Twitter, like people love it. But then at the same time, Rotten Tomatoes has like a positive Rotten Tomatoes score. But all of the scores, if you look in, are about three out of five, 3.5 out of five, which I think is fair. Mm. Um, but yeah, like my entire Twitter feed is like talking about how much they love it. And I was like, oh, I wish I could love it more. I my- think it is gorgeous.
1: My mate uh, Amon, who's a critic for Empire, basically wrote a whole thing saying exactly what you said, oh. which is let's take nothing away from the artists, let's yeah. take nothing away from the uh, the actors. Those two think they're fantastic; it's fantastic, but it just doesn't quite sync up with its with its own self, kind of almost. Yeah. And yeah, so it's interesting to hear you pretty much say it, oh. exactly what he
3: said. It's yeah. it's wild, well, and it's like it's um. Yeah, the theme, the theme is trust, and it's about, you know, people not trusting each other, and that's why the world is is as it is, and it just really bats you over the head with that. And then there are some characters in there who just make some very strange decisions that just don't feel quite right or in keeping, and I don't know if it's because they're trying not to fall into the pitfalls of, you know, your typical Disney characters and Adventures, but, like, some of the stuff just, like, makes no sense. And I was like, why, why have it done that? i don't get it
0: mm. so it's but not worth the 30 dollars.
3: i wouldn't like i i don't say i regret because i i, I don't think i've ever regretted like a piece of art that i have ever paid for to consume like there is still so much about it to enjoy i just probably could have waited yeah inevitably I mean, it's
1: just going to be on disney plus isn't it like at yeah. some point it's just going to be released so i mean if you're already on it then may as well sort yeah. of wait for
3: which is a shame because I was, I was hoping for something like a bit lighter that was going to be like really, really good and, you know, kind of just lift your spirits a bit. But yeah, I've got Zelda, I suppose. So that's what I've, that's what I've done.
0: Well, I'm going to keep mine pretty short because I'm not really playing anything new, but i have still playing Warzone. I don't talk about it much, but I haven't really stopped playing Warzone since last year. And it is now about a year old, I think. Yeah, mm. this is a, a year today, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Wednesday, not Friday, but this podcast comes out. It'll be a year and two days old.
3: It's a year to the day, Wednesday, since I was last in the office doing a full day of work there. Wow! That's God, I don't I want find. to think about that. <laughs> it'll be it'll be uh, tomorrow for you two because we had the Friday off. But no. I was off sick on the Thursday. Didn't have COVID or anything. I just had like a tickle in my throat, and I decided to take my laptop home, and that was it. Sorry, that was a small aside that I realized earlier today.
1: It also shows you've got yeah. a very good memory. Yeah, like, That was yeah. incredible. Like, you two were there. I was here. I was doing this. I, I was also here. thinking this and feeling this. You said this. Like- and it was- if you had asked me when my last day was, I would
0: have told you it was about seven years ago.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but- that's
0: probably what I'd say too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Warzone, uh, I, I've been getting back into it more because of a mode that's not super new. I think they added it around the holidays or so, but it's called Resurgence And it is on the Rebirth Island. I think it's Rebirth Island map. Yeah, and it's kind of a fun twist to the battle royale formula. Uh, Basically, characters are able to respawn as long as someone in your team is alive. So as long as they stay alive for, I think it's like thirty seconds. But the more kills you get, it lowers the the respawn times, Mm -hmm. and that so eventually you can just kind of like keep your team coming in and in and in as they die. And it just makes for these, like, really fun battles of attrition where you'll land on a building with another team and you'll just have this very prolonged firefight where it, it, it's a battle for resources, you know? Like, you want to land first you can get the resources then pick off a couple people and then maybe you'll die because they respawn and they're coming in from above and a couple of them teamed up on you, you died, you come back 30 seconds later. And it, it's a lot of fun. It kind of gets rid of that that... I think it's one of the strengths of Battle Royale is that, you know, if you die, you're for the most part pretty much done and, and you kind of have to play carefully, but it's nice not having to play as carefully as you might in other Battle Royale games and mm-hmm. just focus more on getting in gunfights, focus on positioning, focus on like teamwork in various ways. Uh, I think in particular, just like fighting over buildings is, is a lot of fun, especially on that smaller map. Uh, I also
1: win a lot more.
3: Ah, uh, there it on is. As as well, so say, that's I guess, why surely, I quit Warzone because yeah. I was oh,
1: shit. Surely it helps with the lessening of the of the skill yeah. gap as well over time. Yeah. You get you know if people feel like they can drop in uh, and just repeatedly drop in and 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 get the get with the mechanics of the game uh, more because I guess like when you first drop in on a battle royale you're so focused on not dying that you end mm-hmm. up sort of avoiding people and then you don't really and then the skill cap the skill gap is greater and greater get further and further apart so, so introducing something like that i guess really helps with kind of minimizing that and bringing that skill gap back down
0: yeah it it definitely does that there's still times where i'll go to a map and i'll just get absolutely destroyed they'll wipe out my team before anyone responds and it's like all right there's still some sweaties here like <laughs> you can't <laughs> avoid it uh but like I I won four games in the other night and like pretty much in a row and that's never happened before. So I was like, you know what? I like this. I like this. I was this gonna is say, a good someone's note. a
3: gamer. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk
0: about this. Uh, and like you know, compare that to regular Warzone, and I win like probably once every other month. But I also play on Xbox, and you can't turn off crossplay, ah. so you're stuck in lobbies mm-hmm. with PC people.
1: I'm Xbox as well. I feel yeah.
0: I, I I tell myself that if I was on PS4. I'd have way more wins by now. Yeah, but. I agree. Yeah. I feel I yeah. agree with you,
1: man. I agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it just makes sense. <laughs> uh other than that, I've been playing Smash Bros. because they added a new character whose name I can't Pyra. That's the name. Pyra of the and Mithra? Pyra and Mithra. They are a lot of fun. They're broken as every DLC mm-hmm. character is in Smash Bros. I want you to buy those, so you gotta make them a little overpowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of fun. it, it it's the first character apart from Pokemon Trainer that they've added or that's in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate that you can switch between two characters uh, on the fly, which is something that they wanted to get rid of in Ultimate. That's why they separated out Zelda and Sheik. And actually, maybe they did it with Brawl. I don't remember. But basically, they wanted to get rid of that. So I find it interesting that they brought that back for a DLC character. But I think it works really well. Um, The character is a lot of fun, a a lot of cool moves. I know people are tired of anime sword characters and you know i am too of course but it not is not when they're broken not when they're broken yeah see as long as i win then i'm i'm cool with whatever you know <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's like we have some weird billionaire's mantra where it's like yeah. oh, as long as i win i don't care <laughs> that's all that matters
0: <laughs> uh no but but i think they i think the they did some really interesting stuff with that character and i've been you know playing a lot of smash bros again it feels good yeah. i not as good as I used to be, so i got to train up, but uh, it's fun. Anyway, with that said, Alex, how about you? You kind of talked about what you've been playing a little bit in that intro, but is mm-hmm. there anything in particular you want
1: to shout out? Um, I want to shout out a film that, I, that I've seen oh. mm-hmm. recently, actually, and I revisited. I uh, saw it out at Sundance, had its premiere at Sundance. Uh, it's a film called Scare Me. Um, and it's by Josh Rubin who used to, uh, it's written and directed by him. He, he used to be a member of College Humor, um, and with Aya Cash as well. Um, and basically it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's so, as, especially as a voice actor, um, it's so interesting. Basically the premise is two horror writers in a cabin in the woods trying to scare one another. But oh. they bit, they they use the the kind of the horror tropes and they play with it. But everything that they kind of are using to build up the fear and the tension is all done by the actors. But but sort of say they have, and then a policeman comes along and they and they kind of mime bringing up the you know the the um, the it was what's, what's the word I'm looking for the radio uh, to their oh. mouth. It suddenly the, there's a shift and the, it has the kind of. Um, radio uh, effect over it things like that you know you see sort of shadows starting to creep in and it's them moving it's so it's all done kind of using light shadow sound and stuff like that as opposed to actual monsters and oh. it's them doing everything and then playing that person then going to that it's really interesting really really cool um and i rewatched it again recently it's on shudder um, which you can get through Amazon Prime. I think you can mm-hmm. get like and you can get like a, a free month trial as well. Um really sounds like I'm plug in that as well. <laughs> like, I guess great. and then get a free month of Shudder. Um but yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. It's it's such a cool uh, idea. And it's I think if you're a horror buff and you're going into it going, scare me, really scare me, because the title called Scare Me, that's not quite what it is. OK, it's it, it does have kind of that tension and that horror element and all that stuff. But it's more about how they play around with, uh, I guess, the conventions and um, oh. quite literally, quite literally comment on it. Like, you know, so it's it's a fantastic film, really good film and well worth the well worth your time. I think it's like it's about an hour and a half runtime. So it's not, you cool. know, that crazy works. long. It's a nice, easy watch it. Yeah. Um, and and sort of enjoy it and still you know won't eat up your whole evening so mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely worth catching that
0: i'm gonna check that out that yeah. sounds good i will yeah. as well it came out last year you said
1: yeah yes yeah it came out last year yeah yeah and i had a moment so I've, I've been a fan of josh rubin for so long and i got to kind of meet him briefly um and just kind of say ah because there's characters that he did on college Human, and i was like I, I still watch the gail beggy sketches and stuff like that and <laughs> and then uh like did tried to like we like, did a little fanboy moment on Twitter, and uh, yeah, <laughs> but he's he's fantastic. I think he's gonna, he's, he's one of these guys who's just gonna kind of go from strength to strength after this. I think a lot of people have kind of noticed uh, his capabilities as a writer and a director now. Mm-hmm. After this, and gone, you've got an interesting voice, you know, it's not just, mm-hmm. it's not just that he's a good writer and he's a, he's a good actor, um, he's at it's just that you can see he's got interesting ideas and he's got a really interesting voice. So yeah, I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on.
0: Did So did he act in it as well or just yep. write and
1: direct? Okay. Wrote, direct, uh, wrote, in it, uh, wrote it, directed it, and acted in it. Um, yeah. And and uh, the, the vocal stuff that they do in there is so good. Like they do so like this sort of mm-hmm grandma voices and like little boy voices and all this stuff. And they even comment and stuff. And they kind of like, they're really like, while well, one of them's getting really into telling the story, someone else will just quip in, you know, so they do a little voice like, good little boy, like good little boy voice. And it's like, thank you. Yeah. And so things like that. It's like, it's it's just so good. It's so good. So we've been going on for an
0: hour and we have just finished what we've been playing slash doing. Should we Cut the topic for this week and just move right on to listener questions. Yeah, if you, yeah just if cut you,
3: the topic. We can just
0: plug it. And yeah. Like, if you want to talk about it. The main thing we were going to talk about is that Microsoft now officially owns ZeniMax, Uh mm-hmm. Lucy and Tamor, and I believe Jordan joined you guys as well to talk mm-hmm. about that for a one-off episode of Console Crew. So if you want to hear GameSpot's thoughts on that and what we make of that, be sure to check that out. But anyway, let's move on to listener questions. And we're back with listener questions if you've got any questions for us you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at redventures.com or you can message me on twitter and then I will add you into the discord server and there is a whole channel there where you can ask ask whatever questions you'd like within reason uh,
3: <laughs> within reason
0: within reason but anyway can the first a question security
1: number Jake <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question now within reason okay right. go for it can you please come up with a little jingle on the spot for listener questions Ooh, I like <laughs> oh, this. Okay. I'm the host, uh, so I can't do that. Lucy, wait, what? What, <laughs>
3: what excuse is that? I'm the host. I it? can't do that. Uh, well, I mean,
2: Listen to questions. <laughs> I don't like Expertly that. Expertly done. <laughs> you don't like dumb. that one. Uh,
3: I'm not very musically minded, so I will defer yeah. to tomorrow on that. I will yeah. defer to our Discord on that because they're yeah. the ones who uh, took. <laughs> now took,
2: that you've said it. There's like, there's gonna be a submission for yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Music. Do yeah. it. And it'll, do and it'll it. be fantastic. <laughs>
3: so uh, Discord, first, this one's in, this one's on you.
0: Yeah. first questions from Mr. Blue MD. It's kind of long. Uh, Lucy, do you want to take this one?
3: Dr. Blue, Dr. Blue. Blue MD. Mm-hmm. Um, considering game development is inherently a more collaborative act than a competitive one, well, it depends who you ask. I think mm-hmm. some studios will probably be competing with each other. But do you feel the games industry as a whole is being creatively held back due to exclusivity deals? Ooh. I ask because as the Bethesda deal finalizes, a lot of discussion is happening around the sharing of information between Microsoft's first-party studios and their newly acquired studios under Bethesda. Similarly, Ted Price of Insomniac Games is on record via GameMaker's the Game Game Maker's Notebook podcast, expressing his excitement about being able to share information with Sony's other first-party studios now that they have been purchased by the publisher. Curious to hear your thoughts on the topic. I often hear the sentiment, competition breeds innovation. However, I fail to see the practical application of the notion as it applies to game development.
0: Hmm. This is a really good question. That is a really good question. One I haven't thought a whole lot about, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is yeah i'd be curious to see what what like obsidian games would look like right now that mm-hmm. bethesda is kind of under that same microsoft umbrella because you know outer worlds which came out what 2 years ago that shares a lot of similarities to bethesda games and bethesda games share a lot of similarities to obsidian games and i'd be curious to see what that looks like that being said i feel like at this point like Microsoft Studios have been a little more separated than when I think of Sony games, mm-hmm. Sony Studios. But, you know, this is from someone who has no inside information and that's just yeah, speculation. I think
2: I think the first thing we should probably say is we, we have limited insight into how development, the realities of development and more importantly, the business realities behind game development and publishing. So anything we say here comes from a, I don't know, neophytes like philistines perspective but what i would say is you know the question being do you think um the games industry as a whole is being creatively held back due to exclusivity deals perhaps this is an optimistic almost like why am i siding with the corporate uh entities but the way i think of it is what is being gained by an exclusivity deal with a company like an obsidian a insomniac and for me from the outside looking in it can look like the people who play games are being deprived of something but you can also look at it from the inside the developer side and they're benefiting from something and Mm -hmm. that is money resources stability and you know expertise insight a bunch of different things that comes from an exclusivity deal. Obviously, you can get different kinds of exclusivity deals. Some of them may be hands off style, where it's like, hey, we'll pay out your, um, you know, this amount of sales. But for something like um, Bethesda going to Microsoft and Insomniac going to Sony, they're getting the backing of a major global corporation that has more money than either of those studios could probably fathom to generate on their own. And then they're getting expert. Um, insight and support in creating marketing, but also in creating content for machines that are developed and manufactured and engineered by the companies they're owned by. So in terms of, do I think that scenario results in creative stifling? I don't think so. I feel like once you get that kind of access, you are in a more stable position to make creative decisions with a level of certainty and even risk that you wouldn't be able to do without it. It's asking you to either take a take a leap of faith and maybe something works out for you or the other side is hey, take this jump, we've put a net at the bottom, you'll be caught. It's fine. Um so I feel like glass half full approaches You can make a solid argument, as I hope I have, for exclusivity deals being good for creativity as much as you could for it not being good for creativity.
3: Well, I was going to say one thing I was going to bring up is if you look at the people who aren't owned, if if we're referring just to the exclusivity deals of Sony and Microsoft, right? If you look at EA and if you look at Ubisoft, who both collaborate with each other in a different way and that is with engine technology right and so the thing is as well when you look at those studios and those the games that come out of them it's like a lot of them are safe bets like a lot of assassin's creed games there is i mean there's a reason you've got the quote-unquote ubisoft formula of towers and the way that those games are set up right and it's like ea hedges all of its bets on things like um foot what the hell is it called in fifa right and so it's weird that like even though they are in both independent there is less experimentation there because uh, well i mean why break why try and fix what's not broken right but like at the Mm -hmm. same time it's it's weird that like those are at least the flagship ones ea i think has gone has, has doing a little bit better with like EA originals you've got um, and I totally forgot to talk about this game on the podcast last week because I had a complete brain fart but like I played It Takes Two recently and that is like such a breath of fresh air and completely different to like other EA titles and so is uh, Sea of Solitude and um, mm. Unraveled right and like whereas Ubisoft are kind of in the other for- other side of things where it's like all of their quote unquote experimental stuff like Where the Hell is Beyond Good and Evil 2 um, mm. isn't is it really there. I mean, even Immortals Phoenix Rising is built off a known quantity. It's like Zelda and Assassin's Creed kind of mixed together. Right. And so that would be kind of the other side of the coin where it's like, how much are you going to put, how much are these companies going to be putting on, um, more experimental titles? Whereas you've got Sony and Microsoft, both of them in the past have very heavily invested in independent, um, studios and games and now especially with microsoft with game pass and like that was at the forefront of all the bethesda stuff right it was like uh beloved pub- beloved game developers join to make games for game pass. game pass game pass game pass game pass and that's what they were pushing in everything and so the fact that they have game pass and the fact that sony in the past has always like loved indies and like has a really good relationship with indies it's like I don't necessarily think being a part of those two corporations uh crushes creativity i think but then again yeah like i said being out of them doesn't either
0: yeah i mean the thing that comes to mind too with this with this uh, uh bethesda um in in microsoft thing is games like dishonored games that didn't sell really well that bethesda made that they took big risks on that didn't really i mean didn't maybe financially pay off as much as they had hoped like that being less of an issue is exciting because with game pass you know they're not really focused on sales i'm sure they want their games to sell really well but when they put it on game pass like they just want to improve the value of game pass so i'm hoping that we'll see even more creative stuff from bethesda uh and the other studios as well but bethesda really stands out because like you know i feel like fallout and skyrim were always there really or elder scrolls have always been their really big hitters in games like wolfenstein and and uh and dishonored and prey didn't really hit the mark at least financially so so i hope we see more of that stuff
1: i just i think for me the the thing with it i mean right now that is that is uh very much uh the forefront for me is i i would love to play demon souls but not being not having access to being able to get like not being able to get a playstation 5 mm. i mean it being limited to bit limited to being playstation 5 and i can't get a hold of one means that i literally have no way so for me that's something if we can fix if they can fix the issues with um accessibility to you know sort of two uh different consoles in the future then yeah. then it kind of takes kind of takes away one of the biggest things for me right now which is if you can't literally access that console <laughs>
3: you can't access so many games it doesn't matter what games you've got exactly
1: yeah Yeah, that
2: that is a big deal and and obviously we'll get to a point where those consoles will become a little more available but as it stands like yeah the night the nightmare future is like people aren't able to buy these consoles and there are exclusive games for them that's the tricky part that you know you don't want to and like speaking to the stuff that jake said and what lucy said about game pass like when when the next uh you know arcane game comes out it's gonna be all over game pass as the you know the studio that made dishonored well you mean you
3: mean the one after death loop
2: yeah the one after i mean like that's one arcane studio there's multiple arcane studios so um you know what what do you
3: know what do you know i
2: know many things i know many things uh (laughs) but uh i can't can't wait for this to
3: be clipped out and like posted on twitter like tamar hussein tamar hussein clarifies (laughs) statements on new arcane project
2: um but yeah like you know that's the thing where those are those are games that are critically acclaimed but sales have not as not reflected that and game pass allows them to not really think about the sales part of it which means that the critically acclaimed part of it has more power because the thing that you want is to play that game. And if you're if you're being told, oh, you just need to pay a subscription fee uh, to this service and you get to access this critically acclaimed, you know, and the next game from this critically acclaimed studio that has done these amazing games, you're going to be up for doing that. And at that point, you're in the ecosystem and that's what matters. Like Microsoft is more invested in getting you into that ecosystem than having you pay $70 for a game once and then moving on with your life. So... It just makes a lot of sense. And that just means that in order to make that loop happen, these developers need to make interesting, different, exciting things. And that means creativity. And that means coming up with outside of the box ideas like Deathloop. And even to a degree, something like Spider-Man Horizon, which are not really like, you know, formulaic in, in a lot of ways. So yeah, I think I think I don't know, maybe we're being uh, overly positive and optimistic but i don't think um exclusivity deals hold back creativity i think in a lot of cases
0: it kind of feeds it lots of loops in there death loop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh loop death Hero. you talked about fruit loops fruit yep. loops yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right next question is from Carvin. Hey, Night Crew. I was wondering if you had any games that you recommend that have a story that moved you. I need a new time sync. It's crazy to me that it's been almost a year this pandemic. I hope all of you are doing well and staying safe. Thank you for writing in, Carbon.
3: You know what we're gonna say? Yakuza is on Game Pass. (laughs) The Yakuza,
2: yeah, the Yakuza franchise too.
3: Yakuza. Yeah,
2: if you want to start Yakuza Zero all the way to, I don't know. Lad. Like a dragon, like. Hell of a story. Hell of a moving story. Wow. Hell of a ridiculous moving story. Um, I don't know. If you want something smaller, like Florence, maybe.
3: I'm playing Maquette know. at the moment, and I am loving I, that story, but it's making me very, very yeah. motion sick.
2: That's why I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I can't play Maquette. <laughs> um, uh Demon Soul's got a great moving story. Uh, Bloodborne's got a great moving story. is it can
1: I see bloodborne on your screen behind you right now?
2: Uh, Bloodborne's always on my screen. I'm <laughs> I am amazed it
3: hasn't burned in yet yeah,
2: yeah. It, it's the best game of all time so I've got like close to a thousand hours in that game now.
1: Oh, uh, Christ.
0: fair enough <laughs> to see it uh,
2: but yeah, I think those are those are probably good. I mean like the Walking Dead
3: oh first season games, Walking Dead First
2: season amazing yeah um god of war
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. god of war's got a great story um and and even
1: again as someone who lived that vicariously i loved i loved that story do you know what I mean like following yeah. that along and not actually playing it It was one of those ones where it was so cinematic and it was so well done that even just watching it through streams i was completely gripped and sucked into it fantastic storytelling
2: it's, it's, that. it's so good yeah and it's it's like a multifaceted story as well where um the first time you play it through, it just seems like, you know, you could be coming at it for, uh, you know, just the story of Kratos or whatever it may be. But then then you come back to it and it's like, oh, I'm looking at how it kind of messes with Norse mythology. And mm. the core story of like Atreus and Kratos, father and son, um, is, is very emotional. And I think that that works as well.
0: I'd say, I mean, if, I don't know what carbon has played necessarily but i would say a game that is a good time sink and has a moving story would be red dead redemption 2 that game will yeah. take you 50 hours at least and uh, maybe a little less than 50 oh. hours but and also man, and also
1: 2004 story. and also yeah, 2004 red i think dead, that yeah, is yeah. that is genuinely one of the finest bits of storytelling i've i've found in a video game and i mean i i i think that's like the only end of a video game that has like i've cried at video games before right but mm-hmm. that that made me like cry like oh, yeah. <laughs> that ending destroyed like, really me. <laughs> yeah, yeah utterly utterly and no video game yet has managed to hit quite as hard as that one for me personally maybe it was mm. maybe it was where i was in my life at the time who knows <laughs> maybe it was just all the stars aligned to really really hammer home that ending that day but um but no that really really got me that one mm.
2: And Last of Us, Last yeah. of Us 2. Mm. Those two games. Uh, quite
3: left nice Behind got me more than yeah, I, would, I would say. Left
2: Behind's
0: good. really good. Yeah. There you go. Anything else? Any other ones come that, to mind? Edith, Finch, but oh, yeah, not Edith really, Finch. It's not really, really a
3: great. time sink. You can do it in like three hours, but um, yeah. it has a hell of a gut punch all the way through. Mm-hmm. Just multiple.
0: All right. Should we move on to the last question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow, do you want to read this one? This one is from PSN. It's Rocket <laughs> Scientist. It's their uh, yeah, PSN, Princess. Xbox Live, and Switch Stadia. Stadia, mate, that Stadia. Stadia. Oh, wow, gotta Stadia. update that. First of all,
3: <laughs> the fact that they got their Stadia founder's name. I love mm, that. Love
0: see
2: it. Uh, Rocket Scientist says, "Hola, creatures of the night," which My I love. Question- by the way, yes, I love it. I love it. Huge fan of that. My question has to do with live service games. I play Destiny mostly, but I have dabbled in Division as well. I don't have as much time to play as when I was single and will definitely have l- even less once our kid, or parentheses S, kids, come. Uh, congratulations if you're kid.
3: Congratulations. Are you um, expecting twins?
2: Yeah, maybe. I hope so. Mm, that was lucky. my first thought when I saw the um, parentheticals. Right <laughs> I used to be a 100% first-day raider, etc., now I have aligned myself with being just a casual exotic collector, non-raid. What do you think about the time investment live service games demand? Also, what did you think of Marvel's Avengers increasing the XP grand? Oh, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> considering the numbers of people playing that game, I would have assumed that they would try and provide an easier way for new players to level and enjoy the content. So to get the easy part out of the way, I don't know what Square Enix is doing. I don't know if anyone knows what Square Enix is doing with Avengers. It makes no sense. It's right before they release their other live service game. I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. Like Avengers should have been a home run of a game. It should have been like slam dunk from Michael Jordan. Like we've Marvel is more popular than ever. Avengers like.
3: And, you, you and you're releasing in the off year when everyone yeah, is like, you, there's nothing you, coming out until yeah. next year with One uh, Division. Like it
2: could have like been. They slap the Avengers logo on anything and people will buy it. And yet they seem to just be making them every mistake possible at every opportunity. Uh, I don't know why they've introduced the grind. What they've effectively done is make it harder for people to level up characters to level fifty without giving them any reason to do so. They're still the raid isn't. Available even though one Fran Marabella was accidentally, Fran accidentally played, played the it. raid on a stream, <laughs> so it's there, it exists. Someone tripped over and fell into a raid, and it's not been announced or or like shown or anything. They're just acting like it never happened, and <laughs> there's no end game content. Yeah. I no one has any reason to carry on playing that game. Uh, the Hawkeye stuff that they added, the uh kate bishop stuff was like maybe an hour or two hours worth of content that was mediocre at best oh. the character was fine now they're introducing clint and i expect it's going to be the same but i i don't know like the worst part of it is if they made that f- game free to play right now i still wouldn't recommend it because it's not fun after the single player is done which is like shocking and they've like got Abomination in the next update, which is like, oh, we've added Abomination, but they phrased it in a way that makes it seem like Abomination is going to same serve the same function as like Tark's Master, which is just a boss that you wail on for 40 hours over and over again. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? You're fumbling the bag. This is not how you should have been done it. It's so stop
3: easy to, getting Avengers yeah, wrong. Stop getting Avengers
2: wrong. The thing yeah, so, for me I mean, that
1: really... Kind of Maybe that was the first moment i saw advertised on social media like like vodafone over here or you know is it mm. at t yeah. over in in the states and that where it's like yeah with our with our service provider, you get this like sort of cosmetic for your cat and i'm going that the, the adventures are sponsored like yeah. by <laughs> like literally like that just goes against as, as someone who's like g- grown up reading like collecting like my like my wife limits the number of graphic novels i can have on the bookshelf right now because like it's just like right well some of them have to go in a cupboard you know things like that so like it's on gonna grab that like i'm like you you've got the avengers literally with sponsors basically uh, uh, mm -hmm. it's
2: wild it's wild i mean if civil war proved anything it's that outside interest shouldn't get involved in in the avengers behavior um I'm talking about comics, I think, I don't know, um, but like, yeah, I, 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 you know, again, we don't know the realities of game development. I know it's hard and it's probably not exactly how they wanted it to go down, but I feel like the, the kind of make good and the rollout plan that happened afterwards, which feels like it would be more in their controls has also not been good. Mm-hmm. The, the worst issue they currently have is the communication is awful. Yeah. And they're not telling people who still have that game on their hard drive when things are happening. There's no indication of when the raid is coming, when the end game is coming. I I don't know why it's still on my hard drive. And I, I mean, I know the reason is because I'm a, I'm a Rube and I love Marvel comics and I love playing those kind of games. But it's ridiculous. Going back to the broader question, what do I think <laughs> of live service games? Um, I mean i i can't commit to i i can't commit to a game forever I, I, having said that i play overwatch pretty much i was gonna say hang week, on but like yeah we I, don't we don't we don't tune in like every day to like do a grind and that kind of no stuff. We we're not grinding to anything four hours yeah, yeah we play because
3: um, we catch up with our friends and like yeah exactly. if you unlock skins that's fine but i'm not playing to unlock skins i'm playing to hang out with yeah the but for some
2: people like these kind of games are amazing because they pay for it once or they download it once because it's free. And then that's their that's the thing that they they make their life and they make their gaming life for the next year, two years, three years. It gives them a free track to kind of play over and over again. If the game is good, like a Warzone or a Apex or a Fortnite, then amazing. More power to you. Like I can't say anything bad about them. Some, the games that have bad business practices usually get tossed out anyway so can't complain i think the
3: time investment it's like it's just what you get out of it if like if you're playing it and you're enjoying it then it's not i don't know like if you feel like you're wasting time then that's obviously not good but if you feel like your time is being honored and that you're working towards goals that you actually want to work towards and achieve then that's great More power to you Mm -hmm.
0: i have to be tricked at this point to play these games because if i hear it's a live service game i immediately lose interest just because I don't I don't I I don't have a lot of time for that. And I there's other things I want to play mostly like single player stuff and whatnot. Mm. So usually I just kind of avoid those. But games that have kind of tricked me into it it were Call of Duty like I still play Call of Duty after a year Call of Duty Modern Warfare Warzone to be particular not Black Ops, I can't do Black Ops. just because I enjoyed what was there and I didn't think I'd play much of it, but I ended up playing a lot, partly due to friends. And then like Smash Bros is another one that is like not really a games as service, but it kind of is at this point because they add characters often. Uh, so, So I think, yeah, a lot of it comes down to, you know, A, are my friends playing that? Because if they are, I might be more interested unless it's something like Destiny, which I have so much trouble getting into longer than like a month or two uh and then and then it has to be like like lucy was saying i have to feel like i'm being rewarded or it has to be have to has to feel like they're adding some worthwhile things that can really change up the game and you can kind of argue that modern warfare right now is kind of in a in a slump uh not so much Warzone, but modern warfare is but like smash bros when they add new characters like i'm always in because it changes everything just a little bit and that makes things stay fresh but like yeah i'm i'm pretty tired of it like i don't Especially when developers are making multiple live service games, I don't really understand the purpose of that because then you're just competing with your own player base. Like I remember when Ghost Recon Breakpoint came out and it was shortly after the division, and they were clearly trying to make that a games as service style game as well. But they're both like these tactical military shooters. So it was just kinda it was kinda baffling. Like I didn't know why they'd a release them that close and b like, if you're still trying to support division, like you're kind of just at least at some point splitting that player mm. base a little bit. And that's that on that. And that's <laughs> that on that. Anyway, that's been episode 84 of Gamespot after dark. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you guys for joining me, Lucy, what are you up to? Where can people find you?
3: Uh, console crew, this week we're talking about PlayStation cracking down on cheaters, um, which was a very fun chat. Uh, given that they're adding anti-cheat stuff to PS5, but is it a good thing? We discuss. I don't know why I did it like that, but that's what we did today. Um, <laughs> a
2: bit panorama, that wasn't yeah. it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> Other than that, I'm just on Twitter at Lucy James Games. I did that feature last week with Evan about stuff we want to see on a Switch Pro because. I'm all in on, I'm, I'm big into Nintendo at the minute, I'm having a nice time, Um, and I'm probably going to play Loop here after this, so thank you, Tim. Yeah, me
0: too. <laughs>
2: Tomorrow, how about you? Uh, I'm on console crew, uh, so you can hear us talking about De Novo, as Lucy mentioned earlier in her Panorama voice. Um, Only British people are going to get the Panorama voice <laughs> references, but um. Yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah. Uh, just doing things behind the scenes. Um, I'm streaming frequently now. Tams streams uh, are really good. I'm a streamer. Now, He's so, so good, and he, you're
3: in you're frustratingly good from Soft Games. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching you play Sekiro the other day.
2: Uh, those two streams, like so, I have, okay. I'm a,
3: Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, Jake came in. I
2: was like I'm the from expert his head I was like here we go here we go so I was playing uh, uh so I twi- uh, I'm at like twitch.tv moreh slash tomorrow h but I was doing um the owl fight in Sekiro and I was so glad that my roommate wasn't in because it was like maybe 20 minutes of me screaming dad no dad leave me yeah, alone dad please do don't hit me <laughs>
3: <laughs> and like, daddy no.
2: Yeah, daddy no. Daddy, please stop. <laughs> and like, I don't know if my neighbors heard any of it, but I'm still waiting for like some sort of like visit from the police to be like, are you being abused, son, or are you abusing? <laughs> are you okay, son? <laughs> but been, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I've been
0: wanting to go back to streaming Bloodborne because I remember trying to do like my own little speed runs that would take like much longer than most speed runs. But <laughs> yeah. but it's a lot of fun streaming those games. I think are are definitely yeah it's
2: good like I I, I've been doing it like three times a week and um managed to get like an affiliate thing going on and um people are like buying stuff but I'm giving all the money to charity so I will not be taking any of that money for myself I'm doing it for funsies for myself and if I can earn money for charity um I will do that I think I'm probably going to give it to able gamers next time I can so yeah nice
0: and Alex thank you so much for joining us what are you up to and where can people find you
1: uh, yes, you, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, AE Jordan. Um, and on Twitch, I'm doing, I think basically doing like five days a week at the moment. Um, and, uh, as I say, every time I stream a game that I voice acts in, we're going to be raising money, but I'm doing sort of specific, specific sort of streams that I sort of target and kind of go towards and build up. Uh, where I I have developers on um, and I stream with developers of the game um, and sort of get their (coughs) excuse me, uh, and get their insight um, on what it was to develop the game. So uh, you can find me uh, on Twitch at um, um, AlexJordanVO Um, and I've got planned on the 11th of April we've got three of the former Telltale devs who are going to be on with me for the uh, Game of Thrones stream um, and just going to be chatting with them, kind of Finding out a bit about them, their route into games, but also their time at Telltale and sort of the process of making that specific game, but what they're up to now, stuff like that. And then we're going to go into a playthrough, uh, and then also going to follow that up with uh, another stream at some point just after that with uh, Russ Bane, who played my brother in the Telltale uh, Game mm. of Thrones game. Uh, so yeah, just uh, Alex Jordan VO on Twitch. I'm on, let's say, five five times a week, pretty regularly. Um, yeah. What, did me. you say
2: what charity you were raising money for? Sorry,
1: uh, yes. Thank you very much for reminding me because I, I keep thinking, I need to say the name. So I'm raising money for uh, Cavill Nurses Trust. They're uh, a small non-profit charity here in the UK um, who help support nurses who are struggling, be that financially, uh, for health reasons. Uh, they help um, domestic abuse, um, uh, people suffering from domestic abuse find... Uh, suitable shelter um, and get out of their sort of dangerous environments um, they're fantastic they're really good as I say non-profit the, you know raising this money they every penny sort of counts and, and really helps um, and we've managed to already in the first two streams raise um, about £800 pounds about sort of thousand dollars roughly nice. something like that, around That's there. Amazing. so yeah awesome. thank you yeah they they and, and i got a call from them the day after the first stream going you know the the charlotte the lovely lady at, at the charity who i've been liaising with she got a she was saying i've just had a call from you know, the head of fundraising being like, where's this money come from? What's going on? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So they're, they're super grateful and super appreciative. And, and you just really feel like, you know, the the money that we're raising as a community is is really sort of instantly having an impact, you know. Yeah. I hope your so, response yeah. was
0: the gamers, the
2: gamers, the gamers, the gamers.
1: gamers. <laughs> thank the gamers. <laughs> and,
0: and if you 100%. donate enough, he'll turn on his uh, disco closet. Yeah, disco don't closet. Don't miss that. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> come and join me in the disco closet. i'll <laughs> show you his socks. Show you his socks. Oh yeah, there's plenty of disc- socks. (laughs) plenty of socks 100% (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us it's great to have you here pleasure thank
1: you I've uh, really enjoyed it thank you very much
0: anyway that's it for this week we will see y'all next week Bye. bye